to go ahead and pick up and end our series on living with honor today. Uh, this is our fifth week. It's been a great series. I believe it's the principle that uh, uh, if we're not careful, that uh, the older, if we're not careful and we don't take the uh, responsibility of handing this down, our younger generation, it won't be their fault and they will pass over it and learn some of the importance of it. And so we, uh, uh, why it's so important to us, because we are trying to discover this year together as we're on our course for the whole year, we want to find out what matters to God. I mean, that's our statement. That's our statement of question. What matters to God and his plan and purpose for my life? And, uh, and we are coming to this place where we're realizing and learning that this honor thing is pretty important to him. And we, our scripture text really from the beginning has been in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 30. Uh, it just started going off in my spirit probably, you know, just in my heart, in my mind, probably about six months ago. And uh, I just kept reading it. I've read it every single day since. And I still, just these two, one, two verses, I keep getting more out of it. And uh, I just want to read it to us again. It says, the Lord says, so we know he's talking to us, far be it from me. What that means is he's, what I'm about to say to you can either make or break your life. If you look at that phrase, that's what it means. What I'm about to tell you, if this is not something learned and hold it or adhered to or embraced or worked into your life, it can make or break you. And then he defines what that make or break would look like and so you can know which one is the direction to take. He says, those who honor me, everybody say honor, I will honor. And those who despise me will be lightly esteemed. We've already defined it, but we're going to do it again just for repetitive memory for ourselves. What does honor mean? Honor means that we esteem at the highest level God's purpose for our life and his plan. Purpose and plan, you can miss either one. And we, not only that, we have a deep respect for God's plan and purpose for my life. Say, I deep respect. And then he says, this also, this word means that I add weight to it. I give weight to it. What I value, what I give importance to something or someone, it will determine the amount of weight that it has in my life and how I value from it. We've already defined the word dishonor. The word dishonor simply means to treat common or ordinary. And in the world that we're living, you, you can kind of see that beginning to happen. And that's just a sign of the good news taking place. And when, when you start to see people kind of do this dishonor, Treat common or ordinary the things of God. For, for the believer, this is not something to get all depressed and humdrummed about. This is something to get excited about. Because that tells us, number one, Jesus is coming. And then number two, man, it, it just gives us instruction of what to do. We're to honor all the more. We're to begin, okay, let's, let's just represent God all the more. Uh, the, the challenge is, is we've created this thing of honor and, and representing God, a bunch of works and do's and don'ts, and there's, there's no fun in that. Uh, honor is really an attitude. And what's interesting about that word honor, it's really based upon willfully choosing. So nobody's going to make you. God's not even going to make you do this. He'll, he'll pull you and challenge you and, and give tugs in those little hearts. Point, poke somebody say, getting ready to tug you today. Oh, that's so weak. Come on, say, getting ready to tug you today. The Spirit of God will tug you towards honor, but it won't make you do it. You have to choose it. I want you to listen to these three statements. Living with honor is about the importance of placing importance. Living with honor is about giving what is deserved, uh-oh, even when it's not deserved. Living with honor, and here's the really key phrase I want you to hear because it'll kind of 
push us in the direction we want to go. Living with honor is about giving proper respect. Did you know there's a proper respect and there's a counterfeit respect? Counterfeit respect has a motive behind it. Proper respect has no motive behind it. Living, respect, living with honor is about giving proper respect to something or someone. Go with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to look at a scripture here real quick. To close this series out, we're going to hit that spot about honoring governing authorities and honoring employees and in honoring employers. All right? Yeah, I know it's one of those things that you don't go there, you know, in the world that we have with, you know, government's kind of wishy-washy sometimes. But there are some very specific things that we as believers, as Christians, are to do in all of these realms. And really, if you just understand the word authority and quit defining the position by, and just realize it's a position placed there by God, then you can kind of look past what you disagree with and get to the place where we really enjoy what we have in this country, which is democracy, which is the freedom to choose, the freedom to vote. If you don't vote, you have no voice. But if you vote, you have a voice and you can make, bring up argument. But when it comes to democracy, what I like about that is it doesn't mean you agree or disagree. It doesn't mean you agree with everything. It just means that you're willing to say, you know what, I have a voice and I want to play a part. Well, how do I do that in God's eyes? How do I do this as a believer, as a Christian in the world we live in today when you're not sure what truth really is? You know, the main argument, do you ever think about what's going on, especially on the news media? I watch it about three times a week, ten times each time. Ten minutes, I mean, ten minutes. You get 10 minutes, you got enough. You know what's going on the rest of the week. And every time I watch the news, no matter what station it is, I, I don't care, I'm not going to name stations, it doesn't matter. Every time I watch, whichever one I watch, it's all about right now discovering what truth is. You know the truth. And the Bible says real truth will set you free. And if you understand what real truth is that sets you free, you can look past where they're trying to figure it out. You can know what really is. And it's not about a person, it's about the person. And when you recognize and understand the person that is real truth, then you can make the judgments that are necessary. You can vote and judge your own heart and your own values. But even there, when it comes to that place, Pastor, when, when, when there's honor, when I really totally disagree with what's going on, the Bible gives us clear instruction what to do there. You know, if we just live by the Bible, things would go a lot better for us. If we get away from our own opinions and our own way of doing things and kind of go mold our opinions and way of doing things according to the Scripture, man, things will go a lot better for you. They really will. They, at least they have for me. I can only speak from my own experience. Listen to the Scripture, 1 Peter chapter 2, 13 through 20, the message translation. Make the master. Uh-oh. Look at somebody say, the master. That's not your husband. As much as you think you're the master in your house, that's not who we're talking about. Make the master proud of you by being good citizens. Respect the authorities, whatever their level. No matter where, top to bottom, all the way from the president down to our commission. We're a we are a county governed by commission. It's not all the same everywhere. Sometimes they're governed by mayors, whatever. It says whatever level. They are God's missionaries, which means they're his representatives, for keeping order. It is God's will that by doing good, you might cure the ignorance of the fools who think you, you're a danger to society. I like how he just throws it right back at you now. Exercise your freedom by serving God, not by breaking rules. Treat everyone you meet with dignity. Love your spiritual family. Revere God. 
Respect the government, the kind of life that he lived. You who are servants, be good servants to your masters. Masters in the scriptures is referring to your employer. Not just good masters, but also to bad ones. What counts is that you put up with it for God's sake when you're treated badly for no good reason. There's no particular virtue in accepting punishment that you well deserve. But if you're treated badly for good behavior and continue in spite of it to be a good servant, that is what counts with God. Stand up with me one more time as we pray. Father, we're so good and so grateful to just be standing in your presence with your word in front of us. We honor it. We esteem it into our lives more. We value it more than anything else. The Bible says that if we build our lives on it, no matter what the storm that comes our way, no matter how strong and how great that is, even our own storms or the storms of the world, it will not shake the foundation that we live on. We live on the word. And so we open up our heart to hear it and gain instruction from it today because you're so good and so faithful to it. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You can be seated. One of the greatest places that I think that, well, I don't want to say the greatest, but one example that we can look at to kind of get some understanding of how important this is to God is I want to take us back into the Old Testament. I want to take you back to 1 Samuel. If you've got a Bible, go ahead and turn there with me. You, the notes to this should be on our app, on Coastal Family Church app. You can go there and follow with us. I want to take you into really two kingships. We're going to look at one main kingship, and this is where you have David and Saul. Saul being the first king of Israel, the um, children of Israel wanted a king. God gave him a king. He chose Saul to be that king. He anointed him to do it. And then later you see after 40 years of reign of, of uh, Saul, you see that David took the place of that. But there were some things that occurred in between Saul and David that gave David that place and that position. One of the things we've said that if you honor God, uphold God's ways and his plans, that it will bring promotion in your life. And I want to contrast this a little bit and just kind of walk you through this story. I don't want to go into it real deep. I just encourage you, go home, read the whole book of 1 Samuel. Go right on into 2 Samuel because it leads right into that. And you can pull out all your own nuggets in it. This is where you see that story of David and Goliath. Anybody remember that story, that Bible story? Well, this, this kind of brings us up to speed on that. But let me tell you about Saul real quick. Saul was, again, the first king of Israel, and he, he started off kind of good. He united tribes. He defeated armies. He was doing really good. And, uh, but one thing began to happen between chapter 1 and chapter 15. There was a moment in this time where, where he dishonored God. And he got disobedient to God's expectations in his life and instruction. There was a very specific moment where he dishonored and disobeyed the very specific instruction of God. And immediately what that did is God said, okay, I can't trust this man anymore. If he's going to do this, and it wasn't really that big a deal. I'm not going to go into that part of the story, but it wasn't really that big a deal. It was one little quick adjustment. All he had to do was just do the right thing, and he didn't do it. And the Bible says that he dishonored God. It was at that moment that the anointing and the covering on his life, God lifted that and began looking for a king that would be after his own heart. But he still had the position. He still moved forward in, in life. And actually, once God's kind of covering got over his life, now keep in mind, to keep covering of God in your life, honor will have to be there. 
When we choose to dishonor God and dishonor his expectations and what he's expecting in our life, you step outside, even in the covenant of grace, you step out. I mean, it's not about your salvation, but you step outside of that covenant of protection and you open up the door to the enemy in your life. God's not the author of defeat, of, of, of harm and bad. He doesn't come and destroy. That's not who he is in our covenant. He doesn't do that. The old covenant was a little bit different than ours, but this one, that's not what he does. But he will remove and step away. Uh, maybe I should say it this way. You step away and he keeps trying to come to you but you're stepping away but the enemy gets in the middle here and brings destruction so what happened to Saul was because of that kind of uh, anointing or covering kind of moved out of his life he got crazy he, he got really caught up in his head. His leadership got, uh, began to get weaker. And he had these moments that were actually really, uh, if you study, you'll find out he actually had a lot of bipolar moments. His kingdom was uneasy. Under, his leadership underneath of him were uneasy with him because of this. And this is before David ever came into the picture. But it was in one of these moments where he's having one of these fits, one of these bipolar moments. And, and, and listen, if that's something you struggle with, the covenant we live in, Jesus did something for that. You can defeat that. You can get the mind of Christ. We can get you set free, and you can live free from that kind of life, uh, ever being affected by bipolar. It's not God. It's devil all the way, and we can help you be set free from that. But in this moment where the first moment you see David come into his life was a moment where this happened. He's going, he's having a crazy moment. He said, get me somebody that can help me. Nobody here can help me. Get me somebody. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 18, I'm going to look at these two verses real quick. You see this start to happen. One of the servants said to Saul, one of Jesse's sons from Bethlehem is a talented harp player. Not only that, he's a brave warrior, a man of war, and has good judgment. Everybody say good judgment. He is also a fine-looking young man, and the Lord is with him. So Paul, Saul says, go get him. Get this kid. Go get him. Bring him into my life. I need help. I don't know what to do. And you see in verse 21, David comes into the picture. So David went to Saul and began serving him. Say, serving him. And Saul loved David very much, and David became his armor bearer. But it's interesting to point something out here. If you don't get this, you'll get confused in this uh, account. David knew who Saul was. He's the king. Everybody knew who the king of Israel was. He's the king. He's the president. He also knew that, that uh, he was God's chosen anointed king. That's why he's there. Children of Israel asked for a king. He knew that God gave them this king. But in Saul's eyes, David is nothing but a shepherd boy, someone to come help him and serve him for what he needs. He was an employee. But that's very key to understand the rest of this story because what began to happen is as you move forward into this story, we come to that place where David kills Goliath. I'm just really going fast on this story because Saul really never acknowledged who David really was. It says he was close and he go and he knew him, but he just loved him for his service. He didn't love him for his real heart and who he was. Even when he killed Goliath, this is when he showed up on Saul's real radar. Hey, that's that kid that's been with me every day. That's that kid that's my armor bearer. Hey, there's something about this kid. He just defeated the giant that none of my, all my guys were chicken. And here he comes up. This kid, young kid, he's defeated. There's something about this boy. I want to know him more. I want to bring him into my kingdom. I want him full time. He's not part time anymore. I want him full time. And so here, listen, 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 5. Here was a key. Whatever Saul asked David to do, David did it successfully. So Saul made him commander over the men of war 
an appointment that was welcomed by the people and Saul's officers. Did you see that? David did everything that Saul asked him to do. Everything. Everybody say everything. And he did it successfully. Keep in mind why. Because David honored him as God's chosen, not just a king in his life. He was God's chosen. And if you watch the story of David, you will find out that this was something that continued during the whole 40-year reign of Saul from start to finish. And it was after this moment, because the, key, the, the, the children of Israel are already a little shaky about uh, Saul's kingship. Crazy guy. And now Saul, for the wrong motive to serve and help him better, can you imagine? Saul's already questioning, hey, these people are starting to, hey, i got to do the right thing. i got to put the guy in the This guy's going to do me well. He'll do everything I tell him because he serves me. I've seen him do it. But it backfired on Saul. Because now he places him over his military operations, and you see that David had good judgment. He was a man of war. He had good, even though he was young, you see something happen in the life of David that caused Saul to get jealous. They're coming back from a battle. And what happens is the people begin to chant, Saul has killed thousands, now David has killed ten thousands. Now something in the heart of Saul switches. The kid that he loved, the kid that he saw serve him, now he's a threat to his kingdom. And it all started, really, if Saul would go back just a few steps and realize that it really started when he dishonored God. But David comes in, and he begins to show honor to God because he never compromised his loyalty to Saul. Right after the killing of Goliath, what do you see? You saw Saul's own son, Jonathan, come into covenant with David. You might not care about any of this story, but I'm hoping to give you enough to want you to go home and read it. Jonathan, Saul's own son, comes into covenant with David, which becomes very key in the saving of David's life through the rest from this time on. He loved him dearly. Saul even acted as if he loved David. And there were times when Saul would use the manipulation of I love you to draw him in because from this moment on, when jealousy set in, what happened was Saul set out to kill David. He wanted to remove him. Listen, listen, listen. David recognized that Saul was his chosen, anointed king. But Saul didn't realize that now David will become Saul's or God's chosen king. What you see is that Saul was a person of dishonor. He was a person that lightly esteemed the instructions and the corrections of God. And now he's going after David because he's a threat to his kingdom. He's got personal motive against this. I want to step way forward into this. I want to challenge you to go home and read this a little more. Because we need to get beyond this story, but you've got to see this principle of honor that David had to Saul. I want to take you into two very specific moments where he's, his life is in danger now. John, Jonathan had already warned him that his dad was going to be after him and try to kill him. So David gets away, he escapes, he's running, he's got followers that come with him. Uh, he gets to where he's got about a 400 of his own people that are recognizing the same kind of loyalty and his servant and his leadership, and he's running and gunning. I don't want to take you to this moment because I'm really surprised that the Bible even says this. It's kind of funny. Go with me to 1 Samuel chapter uh, 
24. One of the opportunities that Saul had to kill David. At that place where the road passes some sheepfolds, Saul went into a cave to relieve himself. That's just funny to me. You, 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 don't, you might not care. He's going to take a pee or whatever. You can put your... Okay. It's just funny to me. It's in the Bible. Why would you say I'm going to relieve myself? What has that got to do with this story? Come on now. But it, as it happened, David and his men were hiding farther back in the very cave. They're watching him take a poop. I love, I love David's men. His pants are down. Now you got an opportunity. David's men whispered to him, Today the Lord is... T- <laughs> it's just funny. Today the Lord is telling you, I will certainly put your enemy into your power to do with as you wish. So David crept forward and crept forward, cut a piece of his... <laughs> he cut a piece of his robe off. But what's said next, again, begins to reveal to us the distinction of Saul and David. And I wonder if it could make sense to you and I in the realm of spiritual authority, but more so governing authorities, because he was the king, God's chosen. David was his employee. But then David's conscience, everybody say conscience. I'm wondering if our conscience is seared enough that we don't recognize this anymore. David's conscience began bothering him because he had cut Saul's robe. The Lord knows there's such a message there. The Lord knows I shouldn't have done that to my Lord, the king. He never compromised who Saul was in his life. This guy wants to kill him. He said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this to my Lord, the king, and attack the Lord's anointed one, for the Lord himself has chosen him. So David restrained his men and did not let them kill Saul. I wonder if our conscience is strong enough when it comes to what's happening in our world today. Are people being restrained to do the wrong thing because we are doing the right thing? Moving right along. One more account. Go to 1 Samuel chapter 26. Here's another opportunity where Saul is after David. David has an opportunity to kill him. They've been out. David's... Uh, has got word that Saul is close by. His camp is there. He knows they're coming to kill him. That's why they're there. 3,000 men, to be exact, are after David and his 400. Here's what happens. David and one of his uh, servants, one of his military guys alongside of him, they sneak out and they go into their camp at night and they get just over top of Saul. And they have an opportunity to kill him right there. And David, because of conscience' sake, because of honor's sake, because of loyalty's sake, because of recognizing the position that he had, he knew that if he raised his hand up against Saul, he would be raising his hand up against God. If we choose to dishonor, we are dishonoring God, not man. Listen to what he says. Surely the Lord will strike Saul down someday, or he will die of old age or in battle. The Lord forbid that I should kill the one he has anointed. What did he say? He knew that Saul's life had value to it and was precious to God. He also said, you know what? I'm not even worthy enough to take him out. 
He's letting us know that you, this is God's anointed. This is God's instruction. This is God's person in place. And this is the place where Saul missed it. He disobeyed. David was committed to the plan and call of God on his life. He was committed to what God had ordained as structure of order and authority. So the question to, to move on beyond that, I don't have time to go into it anymore. I want to take you to Acts chapter 13. Go to Acts chapter 13. Look at verse 22. This is where you see the real seal the deal moment of what defines why David was distinct. Look at somebody say distinct. If you're that distinct person of honor, do people know it? This will be the very thing that will make sure people know it. Listen to what it said. Paul saying to the book in Acts here. But God removed Saul and replaced him with David. A man about whom God said, I have found David, son of Jesse. Listen. A man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. The very thing that attracted him to Saul was that he would do everything he wanted him to do. He served him unconditionally. He served him as the king, the president. He served him as employer, as employee. It made the difference in God's eyes. God said, this is the kind of man that's after my heart. That even if your life is in position of hurt and harm, you'll honor me no matter what. You'll do everything I want you to do. So the question of honor for you and I is in this realm. If it comes to the governing authorities, if it comes to employer or employee, are we willing to do what God's instructing us to do in the covenant that we live in? And the only way we can find that instruction is to go to the Scripture. And if we choose to disobey the Scripture, we don't open up the door of destruction for God to do something to us. We open up the door for the enemy. It, the Bible says that he's waiting like a roaring lion to jump into your life and to bring everything compromising to your life that will bring destruction. The Bible says he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Anybody that's going out to steal, I've never been someone to steal. Maybe you have, I don't know, but you're always looking when someone's not looking. You're always sneaking in when someone's not there. And so here's my point. Am I willing, this is kind of the, 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 the kind of real seal the deal of where we are as a society and where we are as a culture and where we are as a nation. Am I going to really do what God's instructing me to do? Or am I going to chime in with all of the chatter, all of the dishonor that's out there and available to everyone to make a choice to be a part of? I'm not talking about dishonor your values. I'm not talking about dishonoring what your beliefs are. I'm talking about are they really instructed by God? And sometimes what happens is with our beliefs and our values, we feel like we're the voice that everybody needs to hear. Are you? That sounds like Saul to me. You're not necessarily the voice people need to hear. God, they need to hear God's voice through you. And if we're not careful, we'll be promoting our own value system, our own motives, and our own rights based upon what it's doing to me personally. And David never did that. He never compromised the anointing that was on Saul. 
Look at Romans chapter 12, 17 through 18. Now that I got your attention, we've moved away from the P in moment. Now we're over to Romans. Here we go. Romans chapter 12, 17 through 18. Never. Everybody say never. You know what the word never means? Never. We need to really understand what the word never means. I didn't say you. I said we. <laughs> we never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can do to live in peace with everyone. Everybody say everyone. Romans chapter 13, 1 through 7. I'm going to read these scriptures. I want to allow the scriptures to be the very thing that defines the place you and I are to hold. I'm not going to teach through all of this. I'm just going to let the scriptures be the instruction. And when we see it, we look within and see, okay, does this, can, can this really help me live with honor? Look at somebody and say, I'm living. Come on, say, I'm living, I'm living. with honor. Everyone must submit to governing authorities. This is the new living. For all authority comes from God, and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. Kind of reminds me of David. And they will be punished. For the authorities do not strike fear in people who are doing right, but in those who are doing wrong. Would you like to live without fear of authorities? Do what is right, and they will honor you. The authorities are God's servants, sent for your good. But if you are doing wrong, of course you should be afraid, for they have the power to punish you. They are God's servants, sent for the very purpose of punishing those who do what is wrong. We don't like the word punishing. I get it in the covenant that we live in. I just define that for you. So you must submit to them, not only to avoid this punishment, but also to keep a clear conscience. David kept clear conscience because he did the right thing because it was the right thing to do. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5 through 9. Those who are employed... Anybody have a job today and you're employed by somebody? Let me see your hand. You work for somebody. Okay? How many are an employer? You have people working for you. Let me see your hands. A lot more people are employees, right? So we're probably the one that's got more beef going on here. <laughs> we're the ones that are challenged daily, especially if you've got this employer that, that's just, just not that guy. <laughs> he probably shouldn't even be that employer. But you're struggling to work for him, struggling to do what's right, and, and he's just beating you up, and he doesn't recognize you. He's not giving you the credit that you think you should have, and he's not giving you the raise. You've been working for 15 years, and you're still working for the same amount of money you need to quit. Um, <clears throat> no, just kidding. But you see, this is what we do. It's what we think. We start asking ourselves. We start wondering, hey, when are they ever going to recognize us? David never asked the question, when will Saul recognize me? Listen to this. Those who are employed should listen. This is the Passion Translation. Great translation. If you don't have it, you need to get it. Those who are employed should listen to their employers and obey their instructions with great respect and honor. Can you indulge me? Say respect and honor. Serve them with humility in your hearts as though you were working for the master. 
Always do what is right, and not only when others are watching, so that you may please Christ as His servants by doing His will. Serve your employers wholeheartedly and with love, as though you were serving Christ and not men. If we're not careful, you can get a little jealous here. All right, pastor, the three quarters of us were working for somebody. All right, I'm getting it. I got to submit. I got to be humble. I got to be obedient. I got to serve. I got to keep taking it on the chin and keep taking it and keep taking it. When are you going to talk to the employer? When's he going to wake up and smell the coffee? Let's finish the scripture. Be assured that anything you do that is beautiful and excellent will be repaid by our Lord, whether you are an employee or an employer. So that just put all of that paragraph into both places for both people. All right? Final question. How do I honor? How do I stay loyal? How do I not dishonor? Here's the kicker. When I don't like where I am. When I disagree, from the top down, I totally disagree. What do I do? Pastor, I get it. I, I think I can make that, I, I can make that little bit of adjustment because I believe in your heart. I believe in our hearts. God believes in our heart. We can choose to honor and value and esteem and respect. See, it's a no-brainer in, in the choice of it, but are we going to do it with the choice of it? And, and I believe that we will, but, but man, it's tough. Man, I just... You just don't know who I'm working for. No, I don't. Not on this earth. But I know who you're working for in heaven. 1 Timothy chapter 2, 1 through 4. New living. And we'll shut this down. I urge you, first of all, everybody say first. That word first gets you every time. Because it's not what you want to do first. You want to voice your opinion. You want to voice your thought. You want to express why. You want to tell them, hey, you don't see me. You don't notice me. You don't know what I'm doing when you're not looking. That's the nature of us sometimes. Now, it says, first of all, pray for all people. Ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. This is a good and pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. Can I read this out of the Passion Translation? Pray for every political leader and representative so that we would be able to live tranquil, undisturbed lives as we worship the all-inspiring God with pure hearts. It is pleasing to our Savior God to pray for them. He longs for everyone to embrace his life and to return to the full knowledge of the truth. I'm not standing up here telling you that this is easy, guys. I'm not standing up here telling you that this is something that maybe I'm perfect at. But I am standing up here and saying, you know what? The world's going to get a little bit more crazy, like Saul. And the world's going to seem like it's chasing you, like Saul. And the world's going to seem like it's going to kill you, like Saul. And the world's going to pull us into its values and its thoughts and its ways of thinking and it's going to try to pull us party against party. And, and this is not about party against party. It's going to try to pull us against key places of leadership. And, and, and we want to challenge ourselves to come to that place where, you know what, I'm recognizing the position like David did. That's God's anointed. And if I don't think that they are portraying truth like they should be, I'm to pray that the truth is revealed to them. 
I'm to pray that they have Daniel experiences. They wake up in the middle of the night and they have those experiences where they've got a vision or a dream. And, and I really trust God with that part of my life. And why? Because the Bible says that when I do, when I see it kind of going crazy, I do this just to help me out. Come on, do this with me. Do this with me. Come on, come on, do it. Come on, do it. Do it. Do it. Come on. When I see the bipolarness of our world, I'm not. I'm fixed on the anointed one who has anointed the position and has put people there. People aren't perfect. They're going to make mistakes. And I'm going to take just about two more minutes. I want to give you what I call the three P's of how to honor. They'll be in your notes. They'll be in your app. I think it's important that you hear this. How do I honor beyond prayer? How do I put this whole thing Five weeks and put it into one capsulization. Number one, prioritize it. Proverbs 3, 9. Honor God with everything you own. Give Him the first and the best. Everything. Your time, your treasure, your money, your house, your dog, your cats. I don't care care about cats. You don't have to give them over to Him. Sorry. Your boats, your planes, your trains, your automobiles, your friends, your family, your job. Give it all to God. Honor Him with it. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these other things will be promoted into your life. Number one, prioritize it. Number two, praise it. Your future is actually dependent on this one right here. Honor has a language to it. You either dishonor or honor with your words. If you don't like the job... And all that's coming out of your mouth, I don't like the job. You're getting the result of your own words. Honor has a language to it. Honor says, you know what? I got a job. You don't have to stay in that job. But right now, it's the job you got. Believe God for the next job that you want. But serve with everything you got in the one you're in. Do whatever it takes with a servant's heart, with no hidden motive, to get the job done. You do that. It has to start with your mouth. Ephesians 4.29 Don't use foul, abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those that hear them. Number three, and I'll let you go. Stand up with me this morning. Hannah, you can go ahead and come on up, hon. Number three, prioritize, praise, Number three. I believe this will be the one that you'll be challenged on. Because you're not going to want to do it. I don't. There's times I, I... If I can be transparent with you, there's times I don't want to go to work. I, you know, there's times I don't want to get up and... 4.30 in the morning and be here and talk in front of 400 people and, and get all nervous and stomach all turning and wondering if what I'm saying is going to be okay because people change their life by it. You're going to live by it and you're going to take my word for it and there'll be about 20 people that disagree with it. There'll be the 20 people that will hear before the end of the day. I, I, I'm just like you. I, 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 but I've got to protect the call and the anointing. I've got to protect what God's called us to do and I believe that you'll have to do that. Number three, protect honor. The more you value it, the more you value from it. The Lord says, far be it from me. This is important. Far be it from me. 
For those who honor me, I will honor. What matters to God in 2019? The principle of honor. Are we going to live with it? I can't answer that for you. But you can answer it for yourself. Have a great day.